Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Good morning, everybody. Today is Tuesday, June 20th, 2023. I'm your host, Ephraim Jr., and today we pulled Unrepentant Geraldines and Riot Poof. Obviously, the bag knows it's Pride Month and is spitting out a truth bomb for us. We poofs out here to be unrepentant. Unrepentant Poofaldines. Tori talks about Unrepentant Geraldines, which is the title track from her 2014 album. And she says she looked at this painting called Geraldine. And in this painting, this woman, presumably named Geraldine, or here's the thing. The Geraldines were the ruling dynasty of Ireland at the time, the Fitzgerald. And the women, I believe, were the Geraldines. Get it? Fitzgerald? Geraldine? So this woman is sitting in front of this painting of the Virgin Mary and her newborn infant son. Presumably Jesus. I don't know if Jesus had a brother, but presumably Jesus. The Mother Mary's holding a nondescript baby in this port in this painting. And Geraldine has just got her head in her hands and her rosary in her other hand. And she is just repenting is what it seems like. However, she could be hung over. I don't know. She's wearing a lot of fabric. She's going to the ball. Daniel McLeese did this painting between 1806 and 1870. That's his dates. So at some point he did this painting and Tori saw this painting 200 years later, 19, 2006, somewhere in there, and saw this painting and was inspired. She said the rhythms came, the rhythms started to tell me a story. And so she did Unrepentant Geraldine. She wrote Unrepentant Geraldine's the song and said this time in this day and age, we are not gonna repent for what we think. She really grafted on her, (laughs) she grafted on her story onto this painting, in my opinion, because I don't know, she she wanted to tell a story, and so that's what she did. And that's what I'm going to do, because with unrepentant Poofaldines coming out during Pride Month, I have a story to tell. I've met this person, I'm going to tell this story, and I don't care anymore. I met this person in 2007, six, somewhere in there. His name is Mark. I met this person and he is, I knew him through the, I worked at Celebration Theater, which is the LGBTQIAA2S plus theater in Hollywood at the time. It's not in Hollywood anymore. I believe it's nomadic now. They lost the building years and years ago. But at the time, I was a theater manager. I was a literary manager. I directed for them. I created a sold out hit, America's Next Top Bottom, you remember, which was the precursor to RuPaul's Drag Race. And I have receipts. Anyway, I worked at Celebration Theater and I knew this kid and we, you know, we just were casual, not we were acquaintances, barely. He, I knew him through other people. And I remember having lunch with him once in 06, 07. And, you know, I was very, I don't know. I have always felt not part of the gay community in terms of like, whatever. This is not about that. But I've always kind of felt like an outsider, an outlier in the gay community, which I'm, you know, I recognize itself is a lot, is, is, is a common feeling in the gay community, feeling like an outlier. But I do feel like an outlier. I remember being in a, a particularly outliery place feeling, you know, and this was back, this was 15 years ago or longer, where I was like, you know, I had just moved to LA. I was wrestling with like my position in the community. And I remember meeting with this person for lunch about something, you know, and then the conversation moved to art and the conversation moved to gay guys and the conversation just kind of flowed, you know, and I said something, 
And I remember saying like how you have to understand I'm coming from New Mexico. I'm just kind of getting my sea legs here in LA and I'm I'm an observer. <laughs> you know, I'm a I have my passport. I'm a visitor in this country in husband's studio. So I'm like, I feel like an outlier. I feel like an outsider. I'm observing the Los Angeles gay community. I'm trying to figure out my place in it and I'm trying to understand it. This is back in the day of Avalon. This is back in the day of Mickey's. This is Oil Can Harry's. This is like, this is a whole different time. And I said something about how dark the gay community was, just how I was, I noticed a lot of darkness. We didn't have gay bars where I grew up in Las Cruces, New Mexico, where I'd come from. There were no gay bars. So I was like, I wasn't frequenting the gay bars because I didn't have that many gay friends, but I was just starting to like understand the layout of the gay lands. And I said that and he got very, very weird about it. And he said, it just, it was very dismissive. I recall it being very dismissive. And I thought like, I, I left with this sense, this very weird sense about this person. I didn't have the language back then, but I felt like what a privileged place that this person comes from, that they A, don't see it, and when it's pointed out, can't recognize it. I was just saying how when I would go to a gay bar, I would feel very judged. I would feel like people were looking at me like, oh, how brave you came out tonight. That's kind of what we were talking about. But the fact that he didn't agree and didn't see it left me with a sense that this person was in a very privileged position. And yes, we'd lead different lives. This person could be qualified or classified as a twink, whatnot, whatnot. Thin white twinks, am I right, ladies? That was in 06, maybe at the latest 07. I did leave feeling very just peculiar about this person. Not that he didn't have the same experience, but the way he dismissed me, it just felt very dismissive. So anyhow, fast forward to, I don't know, last week sometime. Poofle Deans, this is a trigger warning. Fast forward to last week sometime. And I was going through Facebook. I took it back off my phone because tours around and it just makes me sad. I just didn't want to be stumbling upon everyone's wonderful pictures of the front row. So I took it off my phone. But as I was doing so, I was like kind of scrolling through the feed real quick for the last time. Just kidding. And I came upon a post that he had made, this person, Mark. I came across this post he had made and it was the most transphobic thing that I've ever read. It, it reminded me of that guy who had asked to be on our Liquid Diamonds episode. And then when I reached out to him finally, when we got to it, it was like, I, don't, I no longer want to be involved in any way. And I looked at his Twitter profile and it was LGBTQ rights, no T. Specifically, it said no T. This idea that white gay men, it's never gay men of color. Well, I can't say never. It's very rarely, and I've never seen a gay person of color react this way, but it's always the cis white gay men who are separating themselves and their struggle and their fight, the gay fight from the trans fight. And this person, Mark, who follows the podcast and for all I know, listens to The Daily Show, who knows, made the most transphobic comments on Facebook, asking why we should use people's pronouns. Basically, I swear to you, this is what this person said, but I thought like, oh, this makes sense. To me, 
this peculiar feeling that he had left me with years and years ago, which had never resolved. I'd always felt just very weird around him. And then, of course, I took the blame. I took the blame after that because I was thinking like, oh, I revealed too much of myself. And now like I tainted this poor white twinks version or idea of what the gay community is. I tainted it. He never knew there was a dark underbelly of the gay community. And now he knows. And I'm responsible for that. And I really, I really felt bad. And I felt peculiar around him after that. We've never talked since, although he is an LA theater critic and critic, quote unquote, critic. He's never, he only says nice things and he only writes about it to get free tickets. So critic. But this is what he wrote on his Facebook. And he was bending and twisting and jumping hurdles and going through hoops and diving into trenches to get around. His arguments were so complicated and so, like, if you just accept people for who they are and don't give a fuck about it, then it's much easier. What a much easier life you'll have. But no, this person, this is what he wrote. This was a response to someone saying kind of like, um, what are you talking about? This is kind of sucky what you're writing. And he wrote, like, I don't call Sam Smith this. I call him he, this is the trigger warning people, I call him he because A, he's a man male and he is the proper term to describe men males. B, he looks and acts male, even in nail polish and nipple pasties. In other words, there's nothing about him that makes him any different than any other gay man. He is not special. He is not his own unique gender. He's simply being a narcissist. C, they has no clear definition outside a term one uses either in the plural or to describe someone whose gender is unknown. Someone left their keys on the table and d truth matters to me none of this is personal it's just that what one wants to be called is often less relevant to me if relevant at all than what they actually are i've gone back and forth on this issue and depending on the person and my relationship with them i will mix it up or at least i used to but i think society would benefit from recognizing the reality that trans men i.e trans identified women like elliot page are a small subset of women females they aren't men males that's impossible. Similarly, trans women, i.e. trans-identified males like Laverne Cox, are a small subset of men males. They aren't women females. Anyway, I saw that. First of all, I processed a lot of the realization that, ah, this is... Here's the thing, is that the reason it's always white, this is like my true belief, and I'm sorry if you're white gay male (laughs) who has transphobic notions. I'm sorry for you. But it was a struggle to get where we are today as as gay men. By the way, the Stonewall riots were led by trans women. But anyway, it's a struggle to get where we are today. However, I do think in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of it all, which it sucks to say this because it has been such a struggle, but if you look at the gay struggle versus the civil rights struggle versus the struggle that women endure, If you look at these three struggles side by side, the gay struggle has had a bit of an easier time of it. And I think the reason that is, is that inherently within the gay struggle, there is a white cis male element to it. There's no white cis male that can identify as a person of color, and there's no white cis male that can identify as a woman. But there are plenty of white cis males in the gay community. And I think that the gay community has landed on the back of that to be better off. Not that our rights aren't being attacked constantly, and not that it's not a struggle. But I think it's important to call attention to the fact that there is a population of of gay men that want to distance themselves from trans people. And I think it has to do with the fear of being othered, you know? 
for those of us who are an other, it's something we've had to deal with all our lives. And how wonderful, how wonderful to be able to distance yourself from being seen as an other. There's this guy going viral right now on TikTok calling for the separation of the gay community and the trans community. I just want to read this thing that I found on Reuters. There is still a lingering resentment born out of the movement's origins. Two early pioneers of the Stonewall movement from the beginning in 1969 were transgender women of color, Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. But within four years, drag queens, as they were called then, were banned from the annual gay pride parade that Johnson and Rivera themselves helped launch. At the Trans Day of Action rally in New York's Washington Square Park on Friday, people shouted, who started this fight? The crowd responded, trans women of color. Queen B. Amore, 30 a nursing student from New Orleans and a trans Latina said her activism on this topic was an act of survival. Gay men, they can assimilate. The rest of us don't have the right or the privilege to blend in. We can't blend in. So the civil rights movement or anybody fighting for rights as a person of color, you cannot blend in. Any woman cannot blend in to be assumed or seen or would want to to assume or be thought of as a cis white man. But cis white gay men can blend in. They can blend in and therefore they're eager and ready. Not all of them, mind you, obviously not a blanket statement, but the man, the in particular person that I'm talking about today is ready to blend in and distance himself so much like the simple if you misspell this person's name someone pointed out if you spelled his name mark with a k instead of as he calls himself mark with a c he certainly would correct you certainly but he's so willing to misgender someone i'm sorry i needed some cold brew oh he's so willing to misgender someone and then spin through hoops to explain why he's correct and it's embarrassing so I did what any self-respecting Tori Amos podcast host would do, and I blocked him from all our platforms. I restricted him from our accounts. I restricted him, from, and, I, and I called him out, and I will continue to call him out because anybody that I find that is spouting or espousing transphobic bullshit, I will call out because I don't want it around me. I don't want him. I don't want him listening to my show. I don't even care. And you know what? The greater... Not that he would, but if he does, the greater satisfaction will come from denying him press tickets to my theater festival in September. When that guy insinuated that our podcast was crap by saying, I no longer want anything to do with this episode. And then I discovered what a transphobe he was. I didn't get to say my piece. The point is, I went out last night with Paul Roy and we went to the gay bar. And you know what? I think my gay bar time, unrepentant Poofaldines, I'm going to free myself from your opinion the gays. Here, I'm not saying the gay community is healthy. By no means. The gay community is not healthy. And a gay bar is a safe space. But I still feel invisible. Years and years later, 17, 18 years have passed, and I do still feel invisible. Now it's because I've aged out. Now it's because I've aged out. And I'm like, well, I could do something about this. I could just stay at home and read and knit and whittle and eat my sunflower seeds. I just do all those things. But instead, I'm starting a watch project. I'm starting, I wanted to watch all the Oscar winners, just the Oscar winning best director, best film of every year, starting in the 80s. And I've started, I also started listening to every album that came out in 1980, starting with The Romantics. They were the very first album released on January 1st, 1980. So I started listening to them. The point is, Poofaldines, it's pride, tours happening. That's an important thing, freeing yourself from people's opinion, whoever the person is, whoever, whoever it is, because some Sometimes you have to free yourself from the opinion of your own community. And that's hard. That's harder. Like releasing a transphobe into the into the 
ether. Like you'll be on, he's, I'm not, I'm not worried that he's going to be on the wrong side of everything. Like that is a way of aging out of the dialogue that I can't even fathom. You know, I can't fathom shutting down my mind and shutting down my heart, but more importantly, my mind to new ideas as they come along and to new understandings of humanity as it comes along. So him shutting himself off him, like, I'm not worried that he'll find himself on the wrong side of, uh, of humanity or of the dialogue. I just want nothing to do with it. And I'm going to free myself from the opinion of these transphobes, this pride. We're still, it's still pride month. Okay. And I forgot Mariah was performing in downtown LA. I absolutely forgot last Saturday and I just stayed in my house. Can you believe that? I stayed in my house while Mariah Carey was two blocks away from me. I can't believe it. And then the next day I was going through Instagram or something. And I was like, oh my God, I forgot to go to the Mariah Carey Pride concert. I'm so mad. Anyway, what can you do this Pride Month to help to support while it's important to learn more about and uplift the experiences of LGBTQ plus folks every single day, it's helpful to have somewhere to start. So I'm going to read you goodgoodgood.co's guide on how to celebrate Pride Month this year. Learn about the first Pride. Congrats, you already got an abridged version. But don't stop there. Learn more about the history of Pride by engaging with various sources from them, GLAD, and Learning for Justice, and of course, swing by your local library. It's also vital to keep in mind that LGBTQ plus history doesn't just start with Stonewall. Brush up on your queer history or learn more about a whole new demographic of history makers this month to honor all of those who have come before us. Learn more about gender and sexuality, aka learn about the L's, the G's, the B's, the T's, the Q's, and everyone else in the Alphabet Squad. We've put together a guide to the definitions of LGBTQIA+. Here are a few great organizations. This list is definitely not comprehensive that offer free educational resources on the website. The National Center for Lesbian Rights, The Center, but you can just go to goodgoodgood.co slash articles slash how to celebrate Pride Month and all of those words, how to celebrate Pride Month have a hyphen in between them. How to celebrate Pride Month, by.org, National Center for Transgender Equality, Gender Justice League, the Intersex Society of North America, Asexual Visibility, and Education Network and PFLAG's Online Academy, a hub for free monthly educational resources to support LGBTQ plus people and their families. PFLAG. Don't forget PFLAG. I tried to start a PFLAG organization um, when I was in high school. <laughs> there, there was a big push at the time. This is unlocking a memory and... You know, this is unlocking a mem. This is unlocking a memory. This is going further down. It's so wonderful to me where we have come because I've seen the change. I definitely have from when I was in college or in high school. I tried to start a P flag organization, didn't get off the ground at all. There were no P's that wanted to be with the flags, so. It never got off the ground, but then I went into college, my freshman year of college, and I joined the LGBTQI, it was just called the LGBTQ club, I guess, club, does that sound right? And there was this guy, Fernando, Fernando, who was young, he was cute, he was very, very small. I remember walking down the hallway with him. We weren't that close. We were just, he was like the vice president of the, of the LGBTQ club. That doesn't sound right. Is that right? The club? Why does that word sound weird? It's not a club, is it? The LGBTQ club? Group? 
org.edu. He was the vice president. And I remember we had created an event. We did, I, I created this event. I was always an event creator. We created this event where my friend's band, Dielectric, which is still the best name for a band ever, Dielectric and The Spectacles, she was dating, my friend Amanda was dating this guy named Steve and he was in the band called The Spectacles, but they had a K, S-P-E-C-K, The Spectacles. He wanted to put a K in the second half of the word too. And I remember his guitarist was like, I don't want to be The Spectacles. Anyway, Dielectric and the Spectacles played this concert at Corbett Center. You know, they were my friends and I got them to play this Pride concert. And I remember getting to the concert and walking with Fernando in the hallway. And I didn't know Fernando very well. We never hung out, but it was just the two of us walking in the hallway. And I was like, okay, hold on one sec. I'm going to go in and check on my friends who had like were setting up and see if they need any help. He's like, no, 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 you can't leave me alone. And I said, what? And he said, I can't be alone. And I said, what do you mean? And he was like, I can't be left alone. Like, I can't be seen alone. I was just so confused. But that's literally the entirety of it. He could not and would not be left alone in the hallway with almost nobody around at the time, by the way. It was just so confusing to me. Some people can't be alone. It's just different now. I see it now. Everybody's living their best life with their best hair and their best outfits. And I'm working on my drag persona, my vegan drag persona, Impossible Patty. Anyway, read books by LGBTQ plus writers. That's one thing that you can do. Here are a few. How We Fight for Our Lives, a memoir by Saeed Jones. All Boys Aren't Blue, a memoir manifesto by George M. Johnson. Queer Intentions, a personal journey through LGBTQ plus culture by Amelia Abraham. Greedy, Notes from a Bisexual Who Wants Too Much by Jen Winston. Nevada by Imogen Binney. Felix Ever After by Kaysen Callender. And This Day in June by Gail E. Pittman. Those are some recommendations. Read about pre-Stonewall LGBTQ plus history. Watch documentaries about LGBTQ plus folks. And I can recommend many. And here's just a few from this list. Let's see if our lists combine. Disclosure on Netflix. Always Jane on Amazon Prime. How to Survive a Plague on Amazon Prime. A Secret Love on Netflix. Pray Away on Netflix. Flea on Hulu. And Kumuhina on PBS. Take action. Call upon your elected officials to protect and uplift LGBTQ plus folks. It's been a rough year in policy for the LGBTQ plus community, especially youth, trans folks, and drag performers. It's up to us to protect and advance the rights of queer folks of all backgrounds and to do so urgently. This is the thing is that I've always been othered just to just to look at me. Just to look at me, you know I'm an other. You know I'm an outlier. And so it is not. it's not something that is new to me to stand with the marginalized folks within a community. My entire life is about fighting for, fighting to be seen. My entire life is about fighting to be seen, fighting to be heard, getting my voice heard. That's my entire life, my mission statement. So it's not, A, it's not surprising to me that gay white men would distance themselves. That's not a surprise, but it's no sweat off my back to stand aligned with everyone within the community. So elect more trans politicians, call upon your, current politicians and your representatives to support LGBTQ plus legislation, donate to organizations that support LGBTQ plus folks. Here are some of the many you can donate to. The Trevor Project, Transgender Law Center, Human Rights Campaign, Astrea Lesbian Foundation for Justice, GLAAD, of course, SAGE, Lambda Legal, Trans Lifeline, National Center for Transgender Equality, the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, Black Trans Travel Fund, and OutCare Health the Ali Forney Center Point Foundation. So there's plenty that you can do today. 
to support the transgender community, you poofaldeans, redistribute the wealth and help a friend or community member pay for gender-affirming procedures. If you have trouble finding a mutual aid fund or crowdfund in your immediate circle, you can search for a fund to contribute to on GoFundMe to donate to gender-affirming surgery funds or support any of the following nonprofits. Jim Collins Foundation, For the Girls. For the Girls, actually, I support them a lot. For the Girls is a black trans-led collective that curates and hosts parties to fundraise money to help black transgender people pay for rent, gender-affirming surgery, smaller co-pays for medicines, doctor visits, travel assistance, things like that. Anything, and you can apply for the funds if you need them. If you are a black trans person, the funds are there. So support for the girls. You can find them on Instagram. You know, you know, it's first thing in the morning. I feel like I've led the good fight. It's already, it's only 6 a.m. Does I sound like it's 6 a.m.? I have a dentist appointment. I keep putting off this dentist appointment. I'm just scared. You know, I'm scared. It's fine. The first time I went, the time I actually went, they made me wait for an hour. I'm like, you can't do that to a person who has dental trauma. You just can't. Oh, I don't want to go back. Anyway, well, this show took a turn. I hope you have a wonderful day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye, poofs.
Shut Up is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoriamus.com. Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up. <laughs>